Welcome to the A-Game Podcast with Nick LaMagna, digging into the minds and experiences of some of today's brightest entrepreneurs in real estate and business, along with Hollywood stars, UFC fighters, and your favorite rock bands. People that have figured out how to overcome obstacles, take chances, live boldly, and no matter what they do, they always bring their A-Game. Welcome to the A-Game Podcast. It's another solo episode today that I'll do a quick 30, uh, just talking about a different type of real estate strategy or just some fundamental advice rather than just uh, some of the mindset or guest stuff we've been doing. The thing I want to talk about today is qualifying your buyers. So if you're looking to be selling a property to somebody, I found it to be very important, especially lately with everything that's changing, to figure out exactly who your buyer is, exactly what they're doing, and start to really figure out, is this somebody you want to work with? And what I have found over the years is if you can get a bunch of key people in place that are going to consistently do good business with you, you're going to want to grow not necessarily the biggest buyers list, but the most quality buyers list. So it's going to start somewhere. Where are you going to start? And this is one of the things I've heard people say. You guys that have taken my classes before, you might have heard this too when I, when I talk about it. But I saw a guy on social media saying, hey, you know what? You don't want... 200, 300,000 people on your buyer's list. You want 10, 15 people that are going to buy all your deals and are reliable. I said, yeah, I get that. But, but how do you find them? And again, I've said this a bunch of other times, but you find out what you want by finding out what you don't want. So yeah, initially, if you're starting out, which is what a lot of the people that are listening to this podcast specifically are, and you're trying to figure out, well, I want to fix and flip. I want to wholesale. You know, I want to sell turnkey properties. Where do I find those buyers? you are going to have to cast a large net initially. And from that net, you're going to find out which ones are jokers, which ones are liars, which ones are doing bad business, which ones aren't sending you know, uh, professional emails or they're texting you in the middle of the night. There's going to be things that you're going to start to get better at knowing. This is how somebody who doesn't do good business reacts. And this is somebody who's reliable and does. You know, Especially people that are putting out offers are always going to go to the top of my list. Even sometimes if they're not putting out great offers, I'm going to look at it and I'm going to start to wonder, okay, the person that, that's just kicking t- they always have a million questions, but they never pull the trigger. The stuff's not adding up. They're re-asking me to get on the phone and talk to them about things that I already gave them the information for. To me, that's a waste of my time. So I'm going to start to filter through that. Now, fixing and flipping, let's start with that. On a fix and flip, you really don't have to find your buyers. There's definitely times that people have contacted me that I, I've had a buyer lined up for a deal before I purchased it or right when I first purchased it, before I finished fixing it up. And when that happens, that's great. But for me, in my business model, it doesn't happen that often. When I'm doing a fix and flip, I'm normally, again, like we talked in the market episode, if you look at the episode from last week, we talked about finding markets that you have your days on market for 30 to 60 days or less. So if I'm in one of those markets that my days on market are low and I've priced my house correctly, I've marketed my house correctly, and I've rehabbed my house correctly to the level of my competition, that house should really be selling itself within that 30 to 60 day time frame. So I'm gonna rely heavily on the realtor to do that. So especially doing this remotely, what does that mean for me? It, that means if, if I wanna try and save some money, I'm gonna now get my real estate license in Indiana and then I'm gonna go out there and show properties. That's not why I got into this business. I got into this business to free up more time, putting people in place to do things like that, especially 
when you're already factoring into your deal, all of your closing costs, your real estate commissions, all that stuff has already been worked in before I put my offer in. And if they're accepting my offer at that price, I'm already assuming I'm going to have to pay out closing costs and commissions to whatever realtor is going to sell that property. And while they're doing that, I'm hanging out on the beach. I'm doing a podcast. I'm going to jujitsu. I'm eating too much drive through food or too many donuts, whatever it is that I like to do. That's what really this business has become, what this business is really about. So on the fix and flip side, it's all about selecting the markets that are moving fast with the product that you're trying to sell, like I discussed last time, if you do that, your real estate agent should have buyers in there. Now, let's say you get multiple buyers or you get a few different offers. That's when I'm going to look at the quality of my buyers there. So this does happen a lot, especially now when there are low inventory, a bunch of buyers out there. People had that FOMO, like we said, from COVID. So people are looking for properties and when there's not a lot for sale, they're getting beat out very, very quickly. One of the things I'm going to look at there is which is the best buyer because the highest and best offer might not be the best buyer. I want to see what type of financing do they have? Do they have a pre-approval letter? Have they actually been pre-approved or just pre-qualified? There is a difference from somebody just saying, Hey, I'm a banker or a mortgage broker. Here's their letter, but it's still contingent upon the fact that I haven't really checked anything. This is just a light approval. So if they get this accepted, then I'm still going to have to go and I'm actually look at their credit, actually look at their financials, actually look at their real estate owned. So I want to see those things. How fast can they close? How much due diligence do they need? Is it contingent upon them selling another property or coming into money from something else? Or is there somebody coming in all cash? They sent me a bank statement or retirement account that they can pull that liquid. They can close in 10 days. They don't even need any inspections. Like that stuff, all those things they need to be considerate of. So I am also going to have either my assistant or myself if I'm doing it, or sometimes my realtor, let's say I have three people that put offers in, I'm going to have them call and check with those lenders on how far that approval process is, what they have actually seen, how many loans they've done lately. I want some history there because there's a lot of brokers, especially now, that are telling me they can get loans done and comes down to it, they can't, or they don't communicate, or the terms change, or they're having side conversations with this buyer and telling them to do all this crazy stuff that's going to delay my loan. So if I have a solid lender with a solid buyer, and I like the terms and the price, and looks like it's going to be a pretty easy loan with somebody experienced that's going to communicate with me, I'm, I'm probably going to take that person. Now, again, if there's a drastic difference in the price, the price is important. But a lot of the times you're seeing, especially if you're selling a retail flip to a home buyer, there's, there's not a big difference there unless it's somebody that really, really wants the home and they have to come in lighter because it's all they were approved for. So, you know, if, if I'm doing well in my business and I'm moving properties and sometimes I can give somebody a break of a few grand here or a few grand there and now it enables them to get into a Cool, that might be something I can do. But overall... I'm looking for strength of borrowers. I'm looking for the lender because again, I need to know that I have a lender that's going to communicate with me during that process. They're going to let me know when the person's handing their docs and if they're not responding, if some, there's just things that go on that I don't want the deal to get blown. So I'm going to go with whatever is easy, efficient, clean, good communication, but you're not really going to be finding your buyers for your retail flips. Your realtors are going to be doing that. Then you're going to be basically sorting out the quality of the offers that come in when you first put it on the market weigh that out, do a little bit of diligence on the buyer, do a little bit of diligence on the lender, and then we're off and running. Now, selling things to investors, if you're doing something like wholesaling, if you're doing turnkey, um, turn, turn, turnkey properties, it tends to portfolios, you know, you're selling a property to a multifamily investor, which I'm doing a bunch of properties right now. I just wholesale the lease option. Uh, I put a buyer in there. I wholesaled a 
or did the 10 unit deal that I'll talk a little bit more about wholesaling a portfolio of properties. That's 23 doors to another investor and I'm wholesaling a, an apartment building. So there's some big fees in there, but there's buyers that come in and some of them are making crappy offers. And again, my sellers are concerned with how strong is the buyer. And if I'm going to be the wholesaler, I need to take that into account. So I want to find out how qualified is this person? How much work is this going to be for me? Because if the buyer, I'm sorry, yeah, if the person I'm selling the property to, the buyer, is not really qualified on pay, they're kind of qualified, but now I find out that they're borrowing money from somebody else for it. And then there's another guy in there that doesn't want to be on paper and the wife's really not on board with this. And I have to walk them through the whole lending process and they haven't really put down EMD. I have to contact them three or four times to get, get back to me on anything. This is going to turn into be a lot of work. And again, I have to look at it for what it actually is, not what it could be. So that happens to a lot of investors. They go, oh, you know what? This sucks. I could have made $50,000 on this deal, but the ARV is not really checking out or this buyer is not really qualified. So I lost that money. No, you didn't. You never had that deal because the deal was never a deal. You didn't really have that ARV. You didn't really have that spread. You didn't really have that buyer. Just because somebody says want to buy a property doesn't make them a buyer. You cannot start counting your money and assuming that this is a done deal and going and spending that. You have to walk them through the whole process because unfortunately, you're going to start to find that people are not as vested in getting things done on time as you most likely are if you're somebody who listens to this podcast. So you're going to have to walk them through that process. And I do talk to a lot of wholesalers that won't do this. They'll say, you know what? I'm not walking some idiot through this process of babysitting them and making them tan in their loan docs and making them pull their FICO report and helping them with due diligence. I get that. And I don't want to do that all the time, but sometimes if it's somebody newer and I like them and they're trying to learn the process, okay, I'll do it. I'm probably not going to do it if it's going to be a two or $3,000 deal. I have to really be vested in it because it is a lot of extra work or maybe I tack on an extra fee. That's something you can do. Look, this is going to be more than me just selling you or wholesaling a property. I'm going to be consulting with you. I'm going to be doing due diligence. I'm bringing more value. So you have to pay me for that value. Maybe I get a percentage of the deal. Maybe I get equity in the deal. Maybe I get some cash flow. Maybe you just give me another three to five grand. Who knows? You know, there's other investors I know that will help manage the construction, manage the property manager. So all those things are extra value that you can put on to make yourself more valuable. Because to me, that opens up new buyer's pools. And again, at some point, you know, some of my friends, they, they have just thousands of buyers that'll buy things. They have multiple offers right off the bat. They're not even putting A or B in construction budgets on their, their investment packets and they're selling them. So yes, if, if you have just things that are flying off the shelves, you have your five or 10 investors that are just buying everything. Yeah, you, you're probably not going to do this unless it's somebody you're trying to help out, but not everybody has it all the time. Or like in my case, some of these fees are very big. So if I'm wholesaling bigger deals and it's not a three to $5,000 check, you're talking over six figures on some of these. Yeah, I'm gonna be taking that time to make sure that this deal doesn't go south and I don't lose that because two or three of those could be a really nice year's income in 30 to 60 days. That makes a big difference in somebody's life, especially when there's people out there right now that don't even have jobs. If I can take a couple of extra phone calls, manage a couple of extra emails, on the phone once or twice a week to make sure everything's going. Yeah, it's a pain in the ass. Yes, I have to do it two or three or four times. Sometimes one's not responding or I'm getting bad information. But you know what? If I wasn't doing it, it probably wouldn't get done. And at the end of the day, getting deals under contract and getting people to say they want to buy a lend doesn't make you money in this business. Getting people to actually submit those funds, to actually close on those properties, to actually get approved for those loans and take that loan funding process through for that buyer and approve them, those things need to be done for you to get paid. So you're not done 
when you get an offer accepted and somebody's saying they want to buy it, you're not done until that money is actually in your account and everything's taken care of. So I need to walk those people through those, those situations and I need to qualify them. So here's some things that you can consider. First, communication. All right, so there's been some that I'm going to say over and over again for the rest of my life how important communication is. Lack of communication to me, especially on a bigger deal. If I'm not hearing from the person, the seller's not hearing from the person, the lender's not hearing from the person, the property manager's not hearing from the person, that's going to be tough because now I know that on top of the already stressful process of like, is this deal going to close? Am I going to make money on it? Now I have to worry, is this guy just going to bail on me or this girl just going to bail on me in a week, two weeks? They're hot and cold. They're in and out. That gets very stressful. That gets very exhausting. And if I'm the point of contact here, it makes me look like shit because they're asking me for answers that I don't have. And then I have to go back and eventually either take the blame for myself, which I don't want to do. I'm doing a beyond my part but now i have to go and maybe say well you know what it's this buyer i can't get him on the phone and now they go well this buyer you bought him what's going on with this buyer how come this buyer is not closing how come this buyer is not responding how come this buyer hasn't sent the earnest money deposit so yeah maybe i should have thought of that earlier maybe i should have taken those signs and found another buyer those are definitely things that you want to do because that's the kind of thing where you get excited and somebody goes i want this deal and you go okay great this is like the second or the third buyer I've had for this deal. I'm going to take them through this process, but they're not really pulling through the more in your buyers. So you're trying so hard to hold on to what it possibly could be. And you're not looking at it for what it is, which is somebody who's not communicating, maybe being dishonest, maybe up to something, or they're just never going to close on those properties. And sometimes what it is, is it's somebody that's scared to tell you what's going on. So I'm always a big believer in having an open line of communication and this takes practice for me every day. I'd rather have bad news than no news, but the old me wants to bury my head in the sand and say, you know what? I don't want to hear that this person doesn't want the deal anymore. I don't want to hear that the ARV is not really where it's supposed to be. I don't want to hear that the due diligence didn't check out. I don't want to hear that this lender is not going to lend anymore because the guy lied about his credit. But you know what? I'm going to have to face that reality eventually. So I'd rather have it now than a week because I can be pissed off today. I could be upset today. I could be mad at that person today. I could be mad at myself today for not paying attention to the warning signs and, and tricking myself into thinking it's what it was, not what it is. Or I could accept it, dust myself off, have a piece of pizza, eat a cupcake, eat a cookie, do whatever's gonna, gonna get my, me to blow off steam and get back in the game, go for a run, whatever it is, and then get back on the phone and find some backup buyers or try and get a price reduction from the seller. You'll be amazed when people have deals under contract and everybody's starting to count their money and count down the days until closing, the things that they're willing to do to get that past the finish line and make something instead of nothing completely changes. I've said a bunch of times to my and the people I've worked with that most of the deals that I have gotten and done, if I ever would have started with the offer that I initially made or that I initially got the property accepted for, I would have never gotten that deal. But you make the offer, it gets accepted, Things happen during due diligence. Things happen on the loan. X, Y, and Z happens. Unforeseen circumstances happen. And now you have to go back and renegotiate. And you think the seller will never take it, but they want to keep the deal alive because half of something is better than all or nothing every single day. And they go, you know what? Fine. Let's just get this deal done. Let's just do it. If I would have again started with that, they would have never said yes. They would have never, ever agreed to that. But something changes when you have the fish on the hook and now it's there and everybody's about to eat. Same thing for me on the seller side. There's times I have a property for sale. Everything's about to go through. If that person, I've they turn down offers higher than the ones that I wound up taking a close on it. But when I'm 
two, three days away from getting a check. I don't want to put it back on the market. I don't want to deal with getting a new pre-approval. And now my days on market is back on. Now people are asking why I thought of escrow. All these things are going to come up anyway. So I go, you know what? Fine. Just take it. But I'm just, I'm, I'm not happy about it, but whatever. Send the money. Let's do another one. Let's find another deal. Let's count our checks and let's move on because speed is important, especially with everything going on with COVID that you don't want things sitting there. An extra three, six months, I have no idea what the hell's happening right now. So I'm trying to balance things that speed kills. I need to be fast. I need to make decisions. Something in the hand now is better than nothing in the hand later. So let's take it. Let's move on. But circling back there, I do need to see that. So I want to make sure when I'm looking at my buyers, I'm going to test them. And you have to look at not only do they communicate, but how do they communicate? So you might be in a position that you like talking on the phone. I don't. I like to text. I like to email. I think it's faster and I think it gets to the point. Now, having said that, I have to adapt because if I can find somebody that communicates very well on text message, I'm going to work really well with them. That's what I prefer. But when there's money on the line, you need to be a chameleon. You need to be able to adjust and figure out how do you get those answers. And yes, I didn't get in this business to be on the phone all day talking to people, but when I'm not getting the communication I need, and then when I am getting the communication, I'm seeing that it's very clear that that lack of communication is causing a conflict and we're not on the same page. And I know that jumping on a five or a 10 minute phone call will clear up everything. It is completely worth it. And I've had to do that twice this week. That a lender, a couple of buyers, a couple of other investors, a couple of sellers, everybody's got this thing in their head because there's no communication. And because of that no communication, everybody's thinking the worst. And when they're thinking the worst, they're thinking this guy's going to screw me, this girl's going to screw me, this person's going to go around me, this person's not going to pay me, this person's wasting my time. And they get on the defensive and they start pushing all that off on you. Where I went, you know what? All of you are wrong. You're all assuming the worst because none of you are communicating. I'm talking to all of you, everybody that's getting a phone call. And then when you do and you kind of air it out, hey, what's the reality of what's going on is. So if this is not a deal, that's great. Let's figure out right now on the phone together while we're talking about it, like strictly adults and business professionals and entrepreneurs and people who are in the, in the, in the business of making money and getting things done, not pointing figures and sticking our, head, our heads in the sand and just being immature. It's amazing how immature adults can be. I always thought getting into real estate, I'd be working with adults, I'd be working with professionals. Not so much, not all the time anyway. The good ones will, but there's going to be people that don't. So yeah, now we get on the phone and I voice it over and yeah, it's have to push that and say, let's get this out on the table because if this is not going to work, I don't want to spend another week or two weeks of my time trying to get everybody on board to get this done. Yes, I would be disappointed. Yes, I really want to make that money. Yes, I want to close that deal for everybody involved. And yes, I'm going to be really upset if this falls through, but I'm going to be upset today or I'm going to be upset in 20 or 30 days from now. I'd rather just take it today because either way, I'm going to take it right now. So let's Get it out of the way because now I still have some time to fix this. And when you start to, again, communicate about the problems and the less people communicate with me, the more I'm trying now to over-communicate with the people involved in the deal. So when the seller comes back to me and just says, man, what's going on? How come these things still aren't done? How come I haven't received X, Y, and Z or whatever the issue is? And I go, look, man, here's the reality. Here, here's what I'm seeing. Here's the information that I'm getting. We got on the phone. Here's really what he's worried about. Here's really what that person's worried about. Here's the concern from the lender. Here's what we're looking at for the deals. Here's some of the obstacles we had to get over. All of a sudden now, I'm finding that the seller comes back and when they were coming at me in almost a, an aggressive manner of, of why aren't you doing this and why aren't we getting this done and I'm going to take this deal elsewhere, now they're more open to say, all right, well, you know what? Let's work through it. 
I can be a little bit more flexible. I can, I can do this. This is something I can't do. This is like, this is something I can. What if you go back to the seller? What if you go back to the lender? Here's a couple of options here. And now I get to have more tools in my tool belt. I don't have to bring them all out right away to everybody, but I get to listen in again. So now the next time an obstacle comes around, I know what I can throw in there. But now at some point, when that starts to happen two or three or four or five times and every week this is happening over and over again, going back to another buyer. So I'll just start to tell them, look, you know, this is about repeat business for me. If you want to do this one deal, that's great. We'll do this one deal, but this isn't how I work. So if you're not going to be able to either text me the way we text or call me when I call you or get people think in a timely manner, it's a bad reflection on me and the money I will make on this deal versus the impression it's going to leave on my reputation for being somebody who's difficult to work with. It's not worth the money. I don't care how much that is thousand, 200,000 over the course of your career, that's not a lot of deals for you to recoup that. But the people that might not want to deal with you because you are now not communicating well, it's not worth it. So this is important on both sides for you guys that are maybe the person who's buying the property and you're doing this to your sellers or your lenders. Again, they're, they want to get paid because they already put time in. You already said yes to that. But if you think that they're not going to start looking for somebody else to deal with on that next deal, you might get one over on them by trying to lowball them or jerk them around for the price on that one or try and get better terms or secretly shop out your loan and you're delaying things to save a little bit of money or get a little bit of a better deal, you're going to find out that that's going to cost you more in the long run because now somebody that was willing to go above and beyond and really take care of you and make sure that you got a good deal and make sure that you got good funding and make sure that your due diligence was there and really go that extra mile that could continue to supply you good deals and do you good business, you just blew it. You overvalued what was there and and that, that's not how good business is done. And I, again, I've, I've been doing these podcasts now with these celebrities and musicians and UFC fighters. And what I keep hearing is you'll see that group from the state, all the people that are in there that are now on Wanderlust and Reno 911 and The 10 and all these other shows, they're doing movies with Jennifer Aniston and Paul Rudd and you know, all big name guys, uh, Seth Rogen. But they keep working together over and over again. And when I ask all of them why, they say, because all the people that we work with, we like them and they're reliable and you don't have to worry about what they're doing. They're going to come in. They're going to be professional. They're going to do their job. Those are the people they're going to continue to carry with them over the course of their career because it's very hard to find good, reliable people that you can communicate well with, work with, be on the same page with. So everybody's looking for that. Everybody's looking for their, their mates and their teammates and their friends and their crew and their cliques that they can continually do good deals with, good business with, have fun with, enjoy talking that every time the phone rings, you're not going, oh man, this person again, what's this going to be? I don't want to talk to this person. It's cool. This person's calling. They're either calling me to work through something. They're calling me just to say hi, which I'm totally cool picking up the phone for or whatever it is. There's an issue with the buyer. There's an issue with something, but you're calling me to talk about it so we can work through it together. That's how you get things done. That's how you get deals done. And that's how you get repeat business and people bring you more deals. And, and that's what starts to happen is I, I don't really spend a lot of money in marketing. I keep planning to, but deals keep popping up and buyers keep popping up. And I don't even have a chance to get to calling some of the leads that I have sitting here for two or three months now, which you know I need to branch out and do, but that's a good problem to have. I'm okay with that, but I need to make sure I'm qualifying my buyers. So on the, the fixing side, your retail stuff, your, your realtors are going to be selling them. For your side, when you're trying to build up your buyer's list, communicate with them, but figure out what works for you. Start to go through, obviously, cash is king. I'm not going to always only sell cash. A bunch of the properties I'm doing right now that are bigger, the people need some financing on, so I'm willing to help them get that. But qualifying your buyer again. You want me to help you find financing for that property? Great. You're going to need to see a personal financial statement. 
I'm going to need to know what your credit score is. So pull it, pull up my FICO report. I'm going to need to see some sort of proof of funds that you have at least 20 to 30% of that down payment. So you have $2,000 in your account. You're going to be borrowing that money from somebody who's borrowing that money from somebody to put that deal together. Great. Send me PFS or personal financial statements from all three of them. And then we're going to send them to the lender and I'm going to give them all of the documentation in 24 hours. You're going to put up the earnest money and we're going to see, can they approve you? What's the timeline going to be? What are the rates and terms going to be? Or is it going to be a flat out no? Because if it's a flat out no, we're all kidding ourselves. And now, great. I had somebody who wanted to buy. This isn't the property for them. Let's figure out how to get them into something. So you really have to shift your mindset on if this deal doesn't go through, I still have a buyer or I still have a seller. I can sell that property to somebody else, or I can keep this buyer and find him something that fits him or hers needs better. So there's always a way to monetize it as long as you're doing good business. If I ghost that seller and I stop talking to that seller and I lie to him and drag him around and do bad business, they're not going to bring me any other properties or refer me business. Same thing with that buyer, man. Sorry, you didn't get the deal. Why not? I don't know. Tell them, explain, educate them because the more educated your buyers and sellers are, the more they're going to feel that they can trust you. You're going to have credibility. They're going to be able to communicate with you. So again, I want to know that right off the bat. And if they're doing bad business, sometimes people are just new. I'm sure there's things I still don't do great or people get texts or emails or phone calls and maybe it's not the way that they would have done it or said it. So I'm always trying to learn from those things and everybody starts out new. So I don't blame somebody for starting out. And if they're, they're a buyer, and they're just sloppy or they're aggressive or they're not really sending me good deals or they're not really qualified or they're not listening. Things like CCing everybody on an email chain instead of BCCing you. So now I'm on everybody's email list and I'm getting spammed and my number's on there or forwarded something that I sent to them privately. Now they forwarded to somebody else and now that wasn't what we talked about or just coming in and constantly lowballing or, or not paying attention to information. I'll give a three strikes rule there. Hey, look, strike one. Hey man, I asked you, please don't put me on a CC with a bunch of other people. Please protect my privacy. Please protect this deal at strike one. Okay, strike two, please don't forward my stuff to somebody else or please communicate with me. Don't be cursing at me and being aggressive with me. Please don't text me or call me at four o'clock in the morning, half drunk to figure out what's going on with this deal. I need to know about these things, but email. That's what that's for in the middle of the night. And I tell you twice now, okay, now third time what's going on. So that we're just not going to be a right fit or you're going to find sometimes the buyers are just more trouble than they're worth. Especially if you're trying to sell to somebody and they're daisy chaining to somebody who's daisy chaining to somebody who's daisy chaining to somebody. So they're selling it to somebody who's eventually allegedly going to sell it to somebody else who's allegedly going to sell it to somebody else. That's not what I'm looking for when I have time will find. And if they are going to do that, tell me ahead of time. Hey, you know what? I'm not your buyer, but I do have buyers. So let's talk about that. Cool. I'm okay with that because we can communicate about it, but don't let me find out when somebody else remarkets me the property that I'm selling for twice the price I gave it to you for, it's not cool. It's not good business. And now when my name's on that, you're giving me an association with you and you're doing bad business. So this buyer is giving me a bad name. People are going to associate me with this person who's not really doing good things or practicing good business etiquette. So again, you have to educate, you have to talk to them and I'm not going to get mad about it. I'm going to say, you know what? Maybe this person doesn't know. Maybe they don't. So I'll talk to them about it. I'll communicate with them. But at some point, I'm going to turn around and say, no, you know what? Okay, now this is not going to work. Or the good ones that are hungry, they're getting deals done. I actually love that. 
they're a little raw. They don't really know the ins and outs of the business. They haven't really been communicating with buyers and sellers and lenders and, and wholesalers and flippers the, the way that I have for 15 years. So maybe they don't know the terminology. They don't know what's appropriate, but they're hungry and they're out there and they're getting deals and they're making phone calls and they're sending emails and they're sending text messages. Great. I can train that person. I can say, you know what? You're going to be really good. You have what it takes, which is that tenacity, that hunger, that drive. But here's some ways we're going to polish you a little bit and, and make you a little bit better, a little bit more professional. So, you know, seizing you a little bit, clean you up a little bit, that stuff's going to go a long way if they want your help. If not, find another buyer. So it's really important. You know, one of the things that I'm going to look at the most is not even necessarily the deal. The deal is important, but the relationship is really what's most important. So my deals or my properties are basically just a tester. It, it's an opening line. You know, it's the like, Hey, nice shoes, whatever to get the conversation going. And they might say, look, this is not the deal for me. I don't like this. Great. Why not? The good investors, the ones that know what they're doing, they're going to come back and know their buy box. They're going to know their numbers. Say hey, ARV is too low. ARV is not as good. Rate of return is not as good. I can't get a non-recourse loan at this point. I wanted a higher occupancy. I wanted a occupancy. I wanted something more fixed up. I wanted something less fixed up. And I'm going to start to get that information. And when I can dive in and know that I have a serious person there that's going to be buying something from me if it hits their buy box because they've already made an offer or they're communicating with me within 24, 36 hours right after we talked. I already have adjustments. I'm getting communication back on what they like and what they don't like. That person gets up and up and up on my priority list to the person I'm going to aim for. So again, let, let's rewind this whole thing. You're starting out new. You're going, crap, I got to find buyers for my deals or for my turnkey deals or for my wholesale deals, whatever, and I'm not putting them on the MLS. I'm going to find them. You're using social media, Craigslist, text messages. You're using things like PropStream. Um, you're going on Facebook groups. You're talking to other people in the area. You're getting those leads and you're casting out a big wide net to find out here's what I have, who's interested. It all starts to come back. As it comes back, you're going to get people, screw you. Do you want to work from home? Do you want to buy these sex pills? There's going to be all this garbage that comes in and you're going to say, cool, they're deleted. They're off my list. This person unsubscribed. This person's no good. And again, you filter through and you say, is what I don't want. And now here's a bunch of people, maybe half my list that look like they could be priorities. Now there's always going to be tire kickers. That's fine. But you're going to find out of that 100, 200, 300 people that first week that you get to respond, you'll find a good five or 10 people that are going to make offers right away, have a letter of intent right away, have good formalities with submitting a proof of funds and knowing exactly when they're going to close, what they'll need for due diligence, what they're going to get on their loan ratios. And they're going to be able to at least give you a solid no or a solid yes. And you can work with that person and say, great, you know what? This one didn't work. The seller wouldn't give me a price reduction. I couldn't get the ARV to check out the way you needed to, but now I know what you want. Let's go find something else. And I go and I get that for that person. And now when I go and I put it back on the market or I, or I get that under contract, I'm not just sending it to that one person remarketing it all over again to everybody because it is first come first serve. And then when that comes back again, maybe somebody jumps before that person and they go, I want that. I go, great. You were a sleeper. You didn't even respond to my last stuff. You jumped in, you got it. And I go to that other person. I go, I'll find you another one. It's a great problem to have. You get five or 10 people that you know are qualified to close, want to close, tell you exactly what they want. They have their cash or their lender all set up and they're willing to buy something from you at that buy box in the next 30 to 45 days. And you have five or 10 people that are willing to do that. Get off your ass and go find five or 10 properties and sell all of them those properties and use every single one of them to put back on the market to market for more buyers. And then at some point you're going to know, okay, I have all these people. It's nice growing that list to get new blood in there in case things change. But 
I now have 10 solid cash buyers with pretty much unlimited funds. And if I can keep hitting their buy box, which you're going to start to find your niche markets and your niche properties that you go after, this guy will buy 5, 10, 15, 20 of them at a time. This could be my only one or two, three buyers in this market. And I'm just going to keep feeding them deals. And that's when you start to get to the position of quality over quantity. So qualify your buyers, you know, find that again, communication is important. Make sure they understand. Don't let them keep getting away with missing deadlines, not sending in earnest money, not getting on call. If you are getting some miscommunication, you guys are not really getting on the same page or communicating, demand a phone call, get on a phone call, talk real, straighten it out, ask for the truth, work with them, be on their side. Hey, I can help you if I know what's going on, but you need to tell me. And then from there, if things open up and you can start to get on the same page, it makes the relationship stronger. It makes things better. But if it doesn't, okay, now I cut ties and I go find another buyer. You know what? If this deal doesn't happen, it wasn't meant to be. I can get upset about it. I can get bummed out about it. But the reality is it was never really a deal if I didn't actually have a, a qualified solid buyer. I didn't really have a, a property sold. I just thought I did and I got excited, but it, it wasn't real. So again, it's normal to feel disappointed, but get off your butt. Maybe it turns into an even better deal from the seller or a better buyer comes around the corner. But as long as you do your part and you communicate with everybody and you're on it every single day and you're doing business with your A game, with the, the most integrity you possibly can and the highest work ethic, people are going to respond to you. People are going to notice you. People are going to want to continue to do business with you. So you can't control what everybody else does. You can only control yours. So qualify the people that are going to be easier to work with, more qualified to work with, communicate the way that you want to communicate and form a relationship with those buyers for the long term. That's how you get longevity in this business. So thank you for listening. I'm going to keep it trying to dial down more, more, uh, more topics and give some actual real estate advice for, you know, 30, 40 minutes once a week. I appreciate you guys listening. If you go to nicknicknick.com slash links, you can see all the links to anywhere to listen to this podcast, as well as all of our social media contacts, as well as on nicknicknick.com. Um, you can start to see our sponsors. Right now we are sponsored by uh, Naked Warrior CBD nw.recovery.com uh, headed by a Navy SEAL, Will Branham, who was actually on our podcast a while back. It is an amazing thing. CBD has helped me with inflammation, with uh, mental clarity, with helping rest, sleep, reduce anxiety. It's been a really good thing for me. You have to take it consistently. Get the gummies, get the tinctures, try some of their energy drinks, get some gear in there, support the cause. He's a really good guy, Navy SEAL, doing that now for us. So Jump on nicknadig.com slash links to pick up some CBD, put in A game as the promo code to get 20% off, but take it for 30, 60 days. All of a sudden, all those aches and pains and things that were bothering you, you'll just wake up one day and go, oh crap, I even forgot that that even bothered me. Secondly, if you need funding for your deals, go on nicknadig.com slash links and click on the link for Nationwide Business Capital Group. Tell them we sent you over there. They will make you a priority. If you need funding for your fix and flips, for your commercial deals, for your portfolios, if you need refinancing, if you have... Uh, need stated income loans. They are one of the most creative people out there. Whatever the situation is, they will find a way to get it done for you. And if they can't, I found that pretty much nobody can. So Marianne and Nationwide Business Capital Group will take good care of you. If you get in contact with me on nicknick.com, I can link you up with any of these people as well. Thank you for listening. Have a great day. I hope everybody's safe and healthy. And please, I hope you got something from this. If you want me to talk about a topic or have some feedback on the topics I'm giving, email podcast at nicknicknick.com. And I am happy to adjust, add topics, and do as many of these as you guys need. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Ever wanted to play the drums? Or do you want to get your kids some drum lessons to burn some of that energy while they are all locked up? Take advantage of a free drum lesson with one of the tri-state area's most respected drummers, Dan LaMagna. 
Dan Lamont has played in such bands as Crown of Thorns, Suicide City, Biohazard, The Real Mackenzies, Sworn Enemy, The Walls of Jericho. He has played all over the world and he has also endorsed by such companies as DW, Vader, and Sabian. Dan has taught tons of people from all different age groups and all different music styles. He can teach adults, kids, advanced, beginner, any types of styles from metal, all different types of percussion, whatever style you want. Get a free drum lesson today from Dan. All you need to do is text the word drummer, D-R-U-M-M-E-R, to the number 833-482-0167. Again, text drummer to 833-482-0167 for your free drum lesson.